All right. Good to see you guys. We're going to get started here. Um, and uh, want to do introductions a unique way today. We're, we're talking about leading change. And this is, a, this is a difficult but important activity for all of us to partake in, no matter what we're called to lead, even if all we're leading is ourselves. And so I would like to hear from you not only your name, also where you are, and then the change. Think about, and maybe even just take a minute to write down, what change would you like to see that you are responsible for? So you have to have some kind of positional authority to lead this change. I know that you all want to see change in areas where you don't have positional authority, but the the areas of life and ministry where you can actually pull the levers of power and, and people will go with you if you do it right, even if that person is just yourself. So maybe just take a minute to write down what change would you like to see. And I'll, I'll, as you guys think about this, I'll share with you the change I would like to see. And that is, so I'm the rector of Emmanuel Anglican. And... Um, the change that I would like to see, and it's, it's, it's a significant change, and that is um, uh, something that I've realized is important for our, for our church, I'm just going to switch this up here, is a, a higher evangelistic temperature. Higher evangelistic temperature. And that is that everyone has more passion and interest in... Um, inviting people outside the church to participate in the gospel. So it's not, you know, the guilt. Evangelistic temperature is not guilt where you're, you're turning regular conversations and hijacking them into awkward moments, you know. Um, and, and toward, and, and, you know. So it's different than that. Imagine a church that is filled with a significant percentage of people who are exploring the Christian faith and they're hungry to know more and they're, and they're taking steps. And imagine a church where there's regular adult baptisms and stories of life change and transformation. So that's my change. So let's start with Mark and then go around. Sorry, you've got food in your mouth. So, hey, no, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, greater multi-ethnic worship. 
that reflects the neighborhood that you're in, in Aurora. Brilliant. That's some change, my friend. So Mark, thank you for sharing. I'm Allison. Allison. Okay. That's a great vision. So a revitalized welcome team yeah. is kind of the banner headline there. Yeah, yeah that's very important. Yeah. Speaking as someone who want to see, wants to see visitors welcomed with passion, not just with, eh. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thanks, Allison. Lydia. So sort of like um, like mindful musicianship or like mindful mindful worship leading where they're they're present to the moment where they're playing and leading worship. Yeah, just like that, it's in the presence that happens. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's great. Thanks, Lydia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one thing I just would love to see in myself is not to be able to say a burger and a dishwasher. And right. Not that. Yes. Um, yes. Christ in me. Amen. Um, Amen. Me yes. Yes. And so I think, yeah, it's just something that I really want to see expanded. Yes. The Lord is that kind of, uh, kind of 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's what I want to see change in me. Is I live mm. so often my self perception mm. by trusting you. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome, Allison. And as a alum of McDonald's employees and alum of Walmart, uh, and as someone who made burgers and, made, and washed dishes, I want to say that's possible and um, awesome what you're doing. So. I'll never forget the lessons I learned from those spaces. Mm-hmm. Peter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So where are you? Uh, are you on furlough or are you currently working with Muslims in this area? Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Cool. Where were you at overseas? Jordan. Okay. Great. Have you guys met uh, Adrian and Jen Reist? Okay. Remind me to connect you with them because they're from Emmanuel over in Jordan. And they're Moody grads and great people. They're over there teaching. Yeah, they went a year ago. They came back to visit. They're going back. They have a little girl. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. So what's not a popular concept in Muslim ministries? Muslims don't like that? Westerners don't like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Mm. That's awesome. So just to drill down one layer deeper, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but is it that you're? Are you trying to cast a vision to ch- to capture hearts of supporters, so they'll be more supportive of you guys, or to capture the hearts of the um, the Muslims? You know, what's the who who's your change zone there? Co-workers, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. And are you positionally over your co-workers or are you peers? Okay, great. Okay, okay, all right. It's good to know. But that's, so that's, so that's a special challenge, but if you can pull it off, man, that's awesome and great. 
thanks for sharing. Okay, so Peter and Rachel, what's your last name? Staker. Staker. Okay, cool. Very good. Good to meet you guys. And, you know, obviously we're family, so see you at Christmas. Um, so, um, anyway, as I <laughs> start to uh, get, get, shed a layer here, it's getting kind of hot. Chrissy? Okay. Okay. Awesome. That's really, that's a great vision. Great change. Would someone, Allison, would you be willing to ask Anne if the heat can get turned down in here? Oh, oh, okay, great. Oh. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, okay, great, great, great. Are you guys hot or is it just me? We're all hot? Oh, okay, great. Okay. Oh, are you cold? You're cold? Oh, okay. I'm the only one, so it's good. You guys should vote it. Do you want to borrow my sweater? I can grab other Okay, all right, all right. Um, so we can, we can always go back and forth and just keep switching it up. Leading change, this is very, you know, it's like heat, cold. Um, great. Hudson. Yeah. Just like looking around and, and seeing like so many things that are not mm. such an incredible gift. Mm. And, and yeah, I just feel so ungrateful half the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's a, in some ways a um, change, change in your outlook and demeanor and really spiritual condition. Mm-hmm. You want the gratitude to go up. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome vision. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Hudson. Madeline. I'm Madeline. Part-time ACS teacher in grad school's Mideast in Gold Mission. And I think the thing I really wanted to see change is just um, more, more congregational engagement with our global missionaries. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So greater congregational passion and, and involvement with current missionaries, and then also more missionaries produced from the congregation and sent out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. That's really cool. Well, you guys, you're sharing really wonderful visions, 
and really good change. This is good change personally and for your ministries that you're leading. So what we're going to do is um, go through a couple of scenarios, one fictional and one historic, and talk about like how is change being led? How could change be led? So we're going to start with kind of a silly, somewhat ridiculous scenario just to get the juices flowing for change that we are going to be responsible for leading. So I want you to imagine that um, we are camp counselors for a junior high camp. And it's six, what's that, what's that? Okay, okay, okay. Um, it, is, it is 6 a.m., it's dark, and everyone is, all of our campers are sound asleep. Um, and our job is to get them um, engaged, excited, participating. The change that we need to see is we need to see them go from soundly sleeping to actively participating in the first activity um, with, with all their hearts and bodies and, and souls. And so I just would love to hear from you ideas for how to lead that change from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., from sleeping to participating. And I'll just write down ideas as you share them. Good question. Um, so the activity is whatever you want it to be. It's, it's something that's going to you know, form them positively, but also they're going to want to do. So, so you have ideas for that? Yeah, I mean, you're the camp counselor, so you tell me. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, so one idea is sort of like, you know, interesting and different uh, act, uh, activity, right? So, so it's something that's like it's new. It's you know, you're gonna be eating bacon, watching the sunrise. Maybe that'll be enough to get them up. Maybe not. But maybe, so what are other ideas? What do you have to do to, to motivate? Okay, they're happily sleeping. Yes, okay, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Air horn, uh, other ideas for the, air, air horn? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So onslaught of excited, awake counselors. Oh my gosh. And so this every morning this was a challenge of wow. the strategy for the day. Yeah. And so huh. that I would think would I would completely agree with that. Me mm. and my me and my uh, my uh, co counselor we would get up on the bed, we'd mm. start like jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Is how you like do this. But I think another thing we did was we actually have them stir each other on sexual levels in the room. And for boys, they huh. gauge their like sense of challenge. Ha ha. Ooh. Ah, huh. uh, yeah. That's that. That's you've done this. You've done this a lot. That's awesome. So, but yeah, I mean, there's there's jumping on the beds. There's like painting a picture of like, oh my goodness, we're gonna we're gonna run. We're gonna do this special thing. We're gonna swim. You're gonna get this challenge, and so, and and it got them going. I bet they loved it and hated it. Um, so what else? What other ideas? Any, any ideas for getting these, these kids from sleeping to participating? I feel like having games or poems. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. Either gender Yeah. Uh-huh. Any other ideas? I think assigning roles or responsibilities to people. Ah. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then they're kind of like, so maybe when would you do that? Would you do that the morning of or? Yeah. Maybe. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're on board. Yeah. It's not just you like, oh, you're the leader. You have to be telling us to do this. Right. Um, but then it's like, oh, no, we're all doing this. Yeah. Totally. Great insight. So then of all the students that you would do that with, which ones would you pick the night before? Be like, hey, I've got a special assignment for you. Would you be interested? What kind of student are you looking for to get on this bus? OK. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or the troublemaker. Ah. Why the troublemaker? Well, because they usually have a lot of energy. Uh-huh. Uh, so they actually have competency, but their competency is like not on the bus. Ah. They're so trying to see if you can get them on the bus. Yeah, so you're so you kind of you're looking for the influencers. People that set the tone for good or bad. And you want that electricity to be rerouted. Yeah, great idea. Uh-huh. Any other ideas? Yeah, oh, I like that. <laughs> prizes. What are some prizes and points that you could give out? Or a thousand sit-ups <laughs> by the end of the week. Uh -huh. And the prize at the end is we would buy them ice cream. Ooh, nice. That's, that's great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and this, this ties in maybe with some, uh, where was it, uh, competition. Um, oh, yeah, having opponents and prizes and, yeah, 
So it's great. Okay, so I want to just ask and see if there's some common themes here that you see of uh, this change, these change strategies. Are there any, anything coalescing for you in terms of what we're, what we're doing to motivate people and so? Building a team. Building a team, yeah. So you have um, what we'll call a coalition. Uh, why is a coalition important? Why is a team important? Yeah, right. So, you know, it's this, it's it's the the idea that one person can't carry it all. It actually is going to be much more effective if you've got if you've got an influential team. Um, so. Um, Otherwise, what, what can happen? If you have one person who wants something that no one else wants, what's going to happen to that one person? Yeah. Have you guys ever seen a... Yes, yes. And then what can happen is, uh, so you have a leader who wants to create change, and they start, they start leading change. No one else has bought in. Uh, in the process, that leader becomes a scapegoat for everybody's problems and anxieties and frustrations. And what happens to that leader who becomes a scapegoat? They're gone. So that's not leadership. That's um, uh, just foolishness. OK, so there's a coalition. Coalitions are really important. Um, uh, and how do you build this coalition? Vision. Vision's really important. What's a vision? Yeah, of what? That's all great. I'm just going to summarize it by calling like a, of a better future. Um, a better future and a doable an achievable, this is not pie in the sky, we'll never get there. This is something that is doable. So um, Ellison was casting vision for these boys. And Ellison, what was the vision? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. Like, you're, you're painting this picture of like, guys, you are gonna be part of this gang of boys that is being led by a team of men and we are going to do something fun, masculine, and challenging together. And we're all gonna be celebrating, right? And they you know, bought into that vision at various levels, but you can do this and you're supplying that you can do this energy. So um, here's the thing, you know, uh, we, don't like the we don't like change because it's different. The future is not fun unless it's like the status quo. The status quo is what's comfortable. The status quo is what we know. All of the energy in the room is to keep sleeping, right? Sleeping's nice. Sleeping's cozy. 
It's cozy. I mean, and then cozy is really what we want to keep. So there's, there's a coalition. Uh, th there's vision. So, but there's a really important element here, and it was one of the first things that you guys mentioned. Yes, so um, that's all, that's what you're trying to build, but in order to get there, something else has to happen. And yeah, and then how does the wake up call like, like get, Yes, it's got to be painful. Pain is a very important element of change. We love the status quo so much. Status quo is comfortable. It's what we know. And so another way of putting this is just like uh, raising the urgency level. Um, discomfort. So you flip on the lights. It's like, ah, oh, what? I know, I, but I want to stay in bed. Well, if you stay in bed, you're going to have to like, have the fluorescent lights in your face. Air horn, like, oh, that's painful. Well, you can, you can actually, if you move towards the future, if you move to change, the, the, um, you can actually begin to deal with this discomfort here. So a leader's, one of the leader's jobs, whether you're leading yourself or leading someone else, is to make the present circumstances unacceptable. But you have to do that without losing people. So a leader's job is to introduce pain without alienating everybody. And that is... That's an art form. Mm. That's right. Yes. Yes. Sometimes, that's very insightful, Lydia. Sometimes it's that you stop getting in the way of people you're leading or yourself feeling the pain. It's just looking at reality, letting them see reality. So. At one point, our giving was down at Emmanuel. We started putting the numbers in the bulletin. Here's the giving. Here's the expenses. Here's the deficit. It's really effective. It's just an, it's an introduction of some discomfort. The metrics. Yeah. OK, there's one more. And then we can, there's a lot of ways we can flesh this out, but there's one more. So we've got PVC. So it's a little, you can remember it. PVC pipe, the pipeline. But there's something that you guys were mentioning that's, part, that's, a, that's another major component of change. Really important part. Without it, it'll fall apart. So yeah, so, um, yeah, so I would put ownership under, under here. Um, you've got to have a great vision, but then people need to like own it themselves. And that, I would just say that happens one conversation at a time. And here's, uh, this, is, this is what I learned from Bishop Stewart, how to lead change. You talk to the influential people, and you share a version, an early version, of a partially formed vision. 
of like, I have on my heart a raised evangelistic temperature. And, you know, from, from my, um, my lived experience, part of that was like, I actually, um, there, there's, a, there's an opportunity for us to hire John Perrine to help catalyze that. John Perrine loves evangelism. He's a great leader. He's a great fit for our church. And it's worth us hiring him as our first assistant pastor who can function as a second chair leader. So it's a very tangible you know, thing. But it was talking with the rector's warden, the senior warden on the parish council. It was talking with the leaders of the most highly attended city groups. It was talking with the um, people with significant stake in Emmanuel that other people listen to and going, what do you think? What do you discern? And listening, genuinely listening. And then um, I'll give you an example of how this, how this happened. Bishop Stewart came to a parish council meeting. He shared um, a vision for John Prine coming on and uh, leading and coming on for three years and at the third year planting a church. What he heard back from the parish council was, Father Aaron needs help, and it feels pressurizing and heavy to put a time limit on his time here. We actually want to make space and freedom for Emmanuel to discern when is the right time to plant the church. We don't know what's going to happen. Is there going to be a building in the future? Is there going to be significant growth? Is there, you know, we don't know. And so um, Bishop Stewart and I talked afterwards, and he's like, I think the people of God spoke very clearly, and we need to integrate what they said into the vision, you know, so the ice sculpture is partially formed. Parish council comes and forms it a little bit more. And so what happens as a result? Well, now the parish council is part of the coalition. Okay, so that's coalition building. There's the vision, there's the coalition. There's pain, there's something else. Yes. Small wins. Um, and I would also say, you know, small steps. Small steps with small wins. Small steps with small wins. Okay, so you're, you're jumping on the bed. You're um, turning on the lights. That's creating pain. But someone else is brewing coffee. Someone else is frying bacon. And if you can take a small step of getting out of bed you have the reward of fresh hot bacon and a nice cup of coffee. So uh, along the way, let's say that here is snoring and here is swimming, okay? With, with our fictional um, campers, okay? From snoring to swimming. You want to get them, you want to reward them every step of the way that they go. So you're breaking it down into doable, achievable, celebration-worthy steps. Getting out of bed is a win. We're going to reward you with that win. You need to put some clothes on. And then here, right here, is the, is the bacon, right? Um, now, once you can eat breakfast and you can get yourself outside, well, here you get, you get the high five. Right? It doesn't cost you a lot. It's just a little bit of a celebration. Um, 
and uh, you know, and then once you've done, once you're done swimming, you know, you get the reward of um, I don't know whatever the reward might be of like um, just that camaraderie of like we've all done something together and I did it and you know, there's just the um, the praise maybe. So small wins uh, along the way. Um, one of one of uh, someone I've learned from. Billy Waters, he's a rector in Colorado, is he said that um, celebrating on the back end is one of the most effective ways to lead a church. Lots and lots of celebration. So they've planted a number of churches in the Denver metro area, and they have just a very strong church planting church. And so they're doing lots of celebrations of like, look what we did, guys, look what we did, look what the Lord did through us, what is that doing? It's creating a hunger. Like, let's keep, let's keep planting a church. It, it gets people excited about uh, what's to come. All right. Um, questions thus far? There's more to leading change than this, but this gets us started. What are you guys thinking? Yes. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. And like, I don't know how to have a mm -hmm. sensibility about that. Is there like a principle of some kind mm. about? Um, you want to reward the right people. Well, just like an expectation of like, yeah. they want to be rewarding, but there's also kind of this feeling of like, of course we're here. Like, right, know. right. Not just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for mm -hmm. being here. Mm -hmm. I think I like tend that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a very good question. It's very important. So maybe for you, someone saying, you know what? Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. That means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. may not mean a lot to them. Mm -hmm. that's, so that's one, one thing is like, what is the, what is, what is the, true, what is the true reward mm -hmm. for this person and for this right. team? Um, what, do they, what do they value? Mm -hmm. And then making sure that you are you're actually rewarding behavior. Mm -hmm. um, you're, not just, you're not just putting some relational glue on them okay. to keep them connected. Mm -hmm. um, so some of this is disappointing the right people. Who, who should be feeling the pain? The comfortable? the comfortable people should be feeling the pain. That's who you're applying the pain to. Who should be feeling the, the, the reward and the win? It's the movers. It's the, yeah, it's the, it's the sacrificers. It's the people laying down their life to make this happen. Um, you can even scale this down to your own life. So if you want to grow in a particular, let's say that you want to grow in, um, uh, well, what we've mentioned, th being thankful, uh, or more times of silence and solitude. What's a reward that you're, that's going to be meaningful for you, uh, that's going to make it, um, 
it's going to make the, the part of you that doesn't want the change, and we all have a part of us that doesn't want the change, more likely to engage and more likely to do that activity. So um, for me, um, uh, one of the things that, you know, I, Allison, I don't like solitude either, or I, not naturally, I like it now. But one of the things that made it more doable for me is by tagging community on the other end of it. So if I can get on this prayer retreat with the Lord, spend time listening to him, it's a reward for me to share some of those key takeaways with some of my close friends, you know? And then the experience becomes like, ah, okay, so you want to reward those kind of behaviors. And it, but the comfortable people need to be feeling the pain. Again, not in an alienating, punishing way, but in a raising of the discomfort level way. Um, okay, I'm, I am ready to move on to the next iteration of this unless there's questions or comments. Ellison. Yes. Um, in planning your vision, fit in to it. Um, just like to go back to the example, or even from uh, just my counseling, hmm. I had a really difficult pattern for me to not respect my authority until yeah. I did. Yes. So, I, like, I, yes. so whenever I raised the discomfort level, they just went like it. And part of it was uh. they, it was like, a, it was almost like they didn't think I would like really be able to walk the walk and like talk the mm. talk. <laughs> you guys, you guys are Wow. But what I was trying to get at, and what uh, I still don't understand why I don't feel like I do very well, is mm. how do you relate to people that you're leading a change for, mm. for the purpose of showing them I'm willing to feel the pain and discomfort too. Yes. 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 How do you, how do you shape mm. that and where does that fit? Hmm. So in some ways it's, it's going, I'm, how do you lead yourself through the same change process that you're leading others through in a way that increases their buy-in is a phenomenal question because everything comes down to not everything it starts with self-leadership if you can't lead yourself people aren't going to trust you people aren't going to follow you um, and you instinctively knew that and so you put yourself like hey I've got skin in the game I'm going to go first I'm going to actually in some ways put my body on the line um, to, to engage you more. Did it work? I'm curious to know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'm gonna guess that those seventh graders... So yeah, I mean, that was a really great leadership moment for you, and I bet they remember that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wager that they love you and that they would follow you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, right, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that was a significant leadership moment. You made a sacrifice. And if people don't see us sacrificing, why would they sacrifice, you know? If they don't see us experiencing the pain, this, I mean, I don't like change, but, um, but I, I'm, um, I'm following Jesus, and he's, he's leading me. So, um, I mean, a very important thing for all of us as leaders is just the accountability over our schedules. 
over our, how we lead ourselves with what we eat and how we sleep and who we spend time with and where does our leisure time go, you know. So I had this moment last week where I realized I was watching Stuart and Catherine give their lives away in slow motion. And I was just watching it. And so that's inspiring for me. Well, then I'm like, okay, well, I've got a call too to do that as well. Other questions or comments before we move on to the next exercise? All right, you guys have Bibles? Okay, get your Bibles out. And turn to Exodus chapter 3. Um, let's look at Exodus chapter 3. And I want to ask this question. And that is this. How does the Lord get people from... Look at other chapters too. Get people from uh, the people of Israel from slavery to freedom. So think about the living God as the most effective leader there is. Is Dr. Clark was saying, you know, all creation points back to him. All leadership is a reflection of the leadership of Christ. Um, so how does the Lord lead the? change process from slavery to freedom and let's just look at exodus 3 right now and i just want to invite you to to look it over to read it and uh to to make notes maybe let's have someone read verses 1 through 12 who would read one verses 1 through 12 lydia Okay, and then, and then someone to read verses 13 through 22. Okay, Christy. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come. 
Okay, well, so what do you think? What, uh, so we've got, we've got um, pain, uh, we've got vision, we've got a coalition, and we've got small steps slash wins in leading change. Do you see any evidence of any of these things in Exodus 3 in the Lord's leadership? Yes, Hudson. Yes, yes. So, yeah, where do you see that in, in the uh, chapter there, Hudson? Uh, at first, um, he, he catches Moses' eye with the burning bush, and then mm. his discomfort in Moses' presence. Ah. Oh, oh yeah, so interesting. Yeah, so there, the, you know, it's like... Um, You know, Moses has this 40-year routine of shepherding, 
And this burning bush is this, ah, it's kind of out of the ordinary. It's like, in some ways, the Lord God is revealing himself, but he's also like pulling the fire alarm. You know, it's like, eh, 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 what, 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 you know? So the burning bush is a type of discomfort. It's a raising of the urgency. Whenever, and I think that whenever the Lord God manifests his presence in the scriptures, there's an urgency raising. In every instance of revival in history, um, can anyone guess what happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out? One of the first things that happens. Yes, yes. Um, so there are these ships. You guys heard of this? Uh, I forget, maybe the, the Second Great Awakening. As they were nearing this area where they had been prayed over, it was in some ways, it was an area off the shores of North Carolina where there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. Ships would come near North Carolina and um, there, was, there would be such a sense of dread among the sailors and the thing that they would all ask is, what do we do? What do we do? We don't know what to do. At one point, there was uh, like three men on this ship. This is a historic figure. I can, find the, I can find the proper name. I can't remember it now. They were praying in the hull of the, they were praying and singing in the hull of the ship. All of the sailors heard them, started making fun of them. Just making fun of, just, you know, and then revival broke out on the ship because the Holy Spirit swept through and it was this burning bush moment of, what do we do, what do we do? And then these men became their pastors and, and brought them through but there, there would be ship after ship coming on the shores of North Carolina saying, we need a pastor that can help us. Because something happened. The, you know, we, we, we have this great, great sense that we are standing condemned before the sight of a holy God. You know, they didn't use those words, but in so many words. So, the presence of the living God always brings a commensurate level of pain in accordance to the repentance that needs to happen. And that is, that's, on the other end of it, the small wind of the refreshing streams of the Holy Spirit and healing and everything else. So, great insight. Thank you, Hudson. Um, and then you mentioned, like, how, yeah, and connect that burning bush moment with, um, yeah. Yeah, so after he does the same thing, he, he gives Moses' vision yes. in the land of the most formidable. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so here's the vision land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, these aren't sort of incidental facts about the promised land, really, are they? They're, they're, it's a pleasurable picture. It's, a, it's preferable. We don't have milk and honey here in Egypt. And it's, it's not flowing. <laughs> and it's not our land. So we have this vision. Other, other insights on this vision that the Lord is painting here? Yeah, yes. Why would that be a preferable future for them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're being bullied every day. They're being pushed around, likely being beat up, assaulted, um, de demoralized. Um, yeah. Starting to lose hope. Yeah. Yes. 
All right, good. How about coalition? What's the coalition side of this? How, does the, how is the Lord leading strategically a change coalition for the... Hmm? Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Um, can you guys speculate as to why God chose Moses? Why was Moses the first person he talked to to lead the Change Coalition? or to be his human representative. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Moses, you know, let's think about Moses is that um, he has, you know, access to Pharaoh or an audience with he has an audience with Pharaoh. He can knock on the doors of the palace and they will open and he will have an audience with Pharaoh. I mean, how many Israelites, I mean, they're slaves, right? They're slaves. Um, now, why would he have an audience with Pharaoh? Pharaoh? Yeah, yeah, and then as part of that story, like where did Moses grow up? He grew, yeah, so. Yes, yes. Moses is a cultural bridge. He grew up um, in the royal palace of Pharaoh. Uh, not, the, not the Pharaoh of Exodus 3 and following, but the Pharaoh of Exodus 1 and 2. Different Pharaohs. The, the second Pharaoh was worse. The first one was pretty bad too. I mean, genocide. Um, so um, he's a cultural bridge, but he's also an Israelite, you know? And so he's a very strategic choice. It doesn't mean that it's an unspiritual move of the Lord. It's just the Lord is seeing a strategic person. Hello, Brett Kroll. Good to see you. Hello. You teaching, well, here I am. Good to uh, see you. Yes. So, this is AD. Yeah. And BC. And I'm BC. Yeah. What holds us together? Jesus. So, all right. Okay. So, uh, so Moses is this fantastic guy to choose. Now, he's got some issues, right? He's got some hang-ups. Any hang-ups? What are Moses' hang-ups? What is he? Yeah, he's a can't talk good. Okay. Um, now, does the Lord say, shut up and do it? This is where we can look over to Exodus 4, um, starting with verse 10. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Um, which is just, I just have to stop here and say, <laughs> um, this is the author of the Pentateuch here. And um, even just him saying that, like, I'm not eloquent either in the past or in the future and your servant. And he's kind of Shakespearean in some ways. Um, so he's actually pretty good at speaking and communicating. Um, and so, um, uh, and, uh, so um, verse 11, though, is just, isn't that amazing how the Lord is so patient with Moses? And 
This is how leadership conversations go, by the way. This is how leadership conversation, has anyone had a leadership conversation like this, either on the receiving end or on the giving end? Mark, Lydia, you guys are nodding. Tell me about it. Ah, what do they say? It's like the, they, they say something not like talented enough, they mm -hmm. don't have like leading spirit, mm -hmm. which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like, but I mean, I think it happens all the time. Yeah, so what do you say to them? Well, I, I, I point them to specific moments where they clearly did. Oh, that's awesome. What they did. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what do you see happening in them in that conversation? They typically go like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I guess it builds their confidence mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and they're challenged. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Lydia? I've been on the receiving end a lot. Ah. Isn't it? Yeah, it so is. I've needed that. I've needed that a lot. That's great. So, um, so Moses has hangups, and the ch okay. So the rate of change for Israel is going at the pace of this conversation. So, and so the Lord is helping Moses overcome this hangup and this belief that he has that he's not a good communicator and he's not good with words, and he's patiently like helping him work through that, isn't he? He's, he's revealing himself, like, I'm the one who makes man's mouth. I, you know, he's, he's calling Moses to greater confidence in God. But then what does he say? Moses, <laughs> so verse 13. Someone just read it. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I really, I can relate with Moses so, so much. Um. So then verse 14, I like this, because the anger of the Lord is kindled against Moses, but, you know, the Lord doesn't lash out at Moses. The Lord feels the emotion of anger, but then what does he do? Verse 14 of chapter 4. Yeah. So I like this, I, you know, so there's, there's this problem-solving side of leadership where, you know, you're managing your own emotions. Now, I don't want to over-psychologize the text here. I just want to observe what's there. The Lord feels anger, and then the Lord solves a problem. He comes up with a solution and is resourceful for Moses. You know, in some ways, Aaron is part of the change coalition. I think Aaron is also a small reward you know, of like, hey, why don't you make this a ministry partnership with your family, you know? Isn't that cool? All right. Um, any other, so look, so Exodus 3 and 4, I know it's a large swath um, of, of, of text, but there's some other gems here of PVCs. Other, other, there's other pain points, other points of vision, of coalition building and of small wins. Yes. Uh, fuel worship on this mountain. Yeah, okay, yes. 
So, um, Moses is in Horeb, okay? So, other side of the Red Sea, um, and, you know, a, a good distance from Egypt. The Lord is saying, imagine uh, y- y- all the people of Israel, all, like, imagine a worship service here where it's not just you and the presence of the Lord, it's you and all of the freed Israelites. So, it's some vision. It's also uh, not all the way to the promised land, is it? I mean, it's a. Um, It's a small step, significant step, but in the direction of the promised land, but you're going to stop, you're going to enjoy the presence of the Lord, you're going to praise his name. You see this on the other side of the Red Sea as well. Miriam breaks out the tambourine, and there's a new song that's written. There's just a time for celebration and looking at all the dead bodies. Um, so, yeah, other, other signs of these things. You get a staff. That's right. Yes. So yeah, yeah, totally. You so yeah. Talk about that. Um, I guess it's a it's like a tangible sign Mm -hmm. of the sending of the Lord. Yes. Uh huh. Right. So yeah, the Lord is. Um. He's he's giving Moses a greater level of anointing that is symbolized in that staff that's going to be really important for Moses. So there's this, um, there's this uh, very, very tangible nature of the power of the Lord that is now in Moses' hands to wield. And that's a reward. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. 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 Yeah. It's in some ways. It's. 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 Um. This is really, and this is an important part of uh, of leadership. Is that. You're in this with people, you're feeling the pain with people, and you're naming that, and that is building a, a real credibility. Um, and, that's, and in some ways, that's all what the Lord is doing is all four of these. You know what I mean? He's, he's building the relationship, he's giving a reward, he's casting vision, he's, empathize, he's entering into the pain. What's interesting is that chapter 2, verses 23 and tw- through 25, in some ways what you see is um, the people of Israel increasing the pain level for the Lord. They're crying out to him, and they're saying, you know, we need help here. And he, he it says that uh, he heard their groaning, remembered his covenant. The Lord saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, so, anything else? What else do you see? Any other wins? Any other vision, any other points of pain, any other coalition building? Hmm. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yes. So I, that's a really wonderful insight. I think one of the ways that you can read Exodus, we did a series of Exodus 1 through 20, um, or 1 through 19, somewhere thereabouts, the first third of Exodus. And you can actually read it from the perspective of, like, Exodus is a story of God revealing himself to his people. And, and that is, I would, I would say that that's a reward, that the further they go in following God, the more of God they get. And I think this is true of discipleship. Like, as we follow Jesus, the more of Jesus we get, the more of Jesus we want, the more of Jesus, you know, that we're, the, our union with Christ becomes more and more of a reality that we own and love. So I, I, I would, um, so it's a great insight. And I just, you know, from, from the, through the lens of leadership, want to say that, um, God's self-revelation um, in the end becomes the greatest reward and the greatest vision. Um, you see Moses going into the presence of the Lord again and again and again. The whole, the whole, it's like the source that keeps him going. And uh, in the, at the end of his life, that's where he ended. I mean, as everyone else is going to the promised land, Moses is in the promised land of the presence of the living God. Great insight, Lydia. All right, anything else? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. <laughs> it's great. It's like, yeah, go, go ask your neighbor to lend you some jewelry. And they're like, sure, I mean, you know. But that, you know, God gave them favor with the Egyptians. You know, he opened that door with them. Uh, really funny and good insight. Um, so <clears throat> one last comment I'll make is that looking at the leadership arc of Exodus, um, who needed to feel pain the most in the book of Exodus? Mm. Pharaoh. Um, why would Pharaoh need to feel pain? Why would he be the bed that everyone has to jump on, the lights that have to flicker and foot? You know, why is he the one that has to experience the most pain? He's the most comfortable. Yes, he is the most comfortable. Um, he's and it's a really powerful combination because he's comfortable and he's. Powerful. Um, so just a little sidebar. Um, Pharaoh is the biggest saboteur of the Lord's vision. Every vision, so change is hard. Change was going to upend Pharaoh's comfort. And he had the most power to protect his comfort. So the pain level for Pharaoh needed to be the highest. So you see the plagues, what do they do? They're turning up the heat one click at a time, one merciful click at a time. The Lord is giving Pharaoh many opportunities to change. And in the end, 
um, the Lord takes it all the way up to what essentially Pharaoh has chosen for himself, which is, which is at the level of the judgment of death. Um, and what does Pharaoh do? After the last plague, what happens? He does let them go. But it's only because the pain level got to a threshold that he couldn't handle anymore. Now, of course, he goes back. He goes back on his word. And Okay, so um, in your leadership, there will be pharaohs. People with comfort of the status quo, they love the status quo. And they have power to keep it that way. Positional power, influential power. And so one of the great tests for leadership is how willing are you to raise the level of discomfort um, in a merciful way, as the Lord was very patient with Pharaoh. Um, and that's maybe that's part two of leading change. Um, so there are, there are pharaohs that don't have the positional power of Pharaoh, but they have all the influence of Pharaoh in your ministries, in your leadership. And, um, and so uh, what the Lord does is, is, through these plagues, exposes what's in Pharaoh's heart so that there can be some, some, um, some courageous acts of, of deliverance. All right, well... Um, so one final thing I'll say is this. Um, just a practical takeaway is, um, well, actually, I'm going to leave that aside. What I'd like for you to do right now is to take the change that you have on your heart for yourself or for people that you're leading and to look at this PVC's grid and think of like one or two, one or more takeaways of things that you can do this week. Uh, maybe it's taking a prayer retreat to, hear, to get vision from God, or maybe it's um, having a conversation with the most influential person in your leadership team. Or maybe it, so take some time to, to pray, to ponder, to write down some action steps now, and we'll give a chance for you to share, for those of you who want to share the action step. So go ahead and take, take some time now. Write down some action steps for leading change.
Christy, could you throw me one of those mandarins? Thank you. You guys need more time? Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Anyone who's uh, got a, a next step to share, I'd love to hear it. One of mine is to take some time to consider one or two people that I can pray for in my life who are not in a church, not knowing Jesus, and to fast and pray for them until there's an opportunity to invite them to lessons and carols. That's the next step for me, for our church. So I'm increasing the pain level for myself, <laughs> pain and discomfort level um, through fasting and prayer, but then also um, uh, take, taking a step uh, just to model what I hope to see in the rest of our church. So, anyone else? That's a great idea. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they see the agenda and they're like, oh, I helped shape this. It's a great idea, Allison. Other, other next steps to take. 
That's awesome. Yeah, so in some ways, make it relational. Add some power to that uh, change vision that you have. That's a great idea. Thanks, Hudson. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a great idea because you're you're casting vision, but then you're casting vision in a way that describes describes pain. Uh, of unmet needs and as people read about that it starts to tug on their heart and be like you know I can't pretend this isn't real yeah that's great other next steps to walk this out I think for the Yes, yes. And really spend your time on the college students that are drawn to your leadership. Right, right. The ones who are already there. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh-huh. Giving, yeah, some, giving them some, some staffs that turn into snakes um, and let them run. Great, great idea. Other, other ideas? Next steps. Yes. Yes. Especially when I'm having conversations with friends. I like to minimize what my day to day is actually like. I just pass it all together. Yeah. Everyone then could feel challenged by the decisions that I'm making. Right. Yes. Yes. I am discomforted by my own decisions. And so in that way. Yeah. Yes. Is humiliating to me. It's humiliating to them. They know that humiliating. And so it's this kind of dynamic that raises above both of us. Yeah. And they're like, no, I'm going to talk about what it's like for me. Yes. Make burgers and lobsters. Yes. And we're going to talk about what would happen if what the Lord says to you right now. That's awesome. So it's kind of like casting to the wind any kind of image curation and managing, managing reputation. And it's going, yep, washing dishes, I'm making burgers, that's my life. And then, you know, you're kind of like no longer holding the responsibility for them um, and how they'll perceive that. You just let the chips fall where they may. 
And then if that creates more discomfort in you, well, then that's a catalyst for you to have a change. And, and like, for, and like yeah. this is very practical. And huh. I always carry around two of these shirts. Uh, so I can switch out of my work shirt. Yeah. Um, for other reasons. But it's, I like never wear my work shirt with my friends. And so this yeah. is like wearing my work shirt. Wearing uh, my uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. Thanks, Ellison. Any other last ideas? Yeah, yeah. And just kind of seeing who responds. Like maybe there is a coalition out there yeah. that the Lord may bring to you of people who've been like, oh, there's something that sings to my heart about gospel, gospel Catholicity and sacramental church planting among Muslims in Jordan. Mm hmm. Sounds like there's some great conversations ahead for you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're out of time. I'm past time. Really fun to be with you. I'd love to pray for you and for your leadership.